Hi, I'm Jennifer Mulholland. And I'm Jeff Shuck. We're the co-leaders of Plenty. Thanks for joining our podcast, Plenty for Everyone. Each episode, we talk with conscious leaders like you to explore abundance in work and life, fulfillment in head and heart, and ways we can all work together to make this world a better place. Hey, everybody, we wanted to take a break from this episode to tell you a little bit about our leadership retreat, Lantern. We've just announced our 2021 dates, and we'd love to see you there. Lantern is one of our most favorite things we get to do here at HeartSpace, our retreat center in beautiful Park City, Utah. It is a leadership retreat for conscious leaders like yourself who are really interested in making a difference in the world. It's four days with other people from around the globe who are choosing to create open space, to deepen the connection to themselves and to others, and to support you in creating your unique blueprint, really what you care about and what's on offer for this next chapter of your life as you go into 2021, doing it with intentional power, with conscious choice. And doing that in the support with others, as you really look at reinventing yourself or magnifying the strengths that you already have. 2021 is going to be our sixth year for this acclaimed retreat, and we'd love to have you there. There's never been a better time to invest in yourself. So to find out more, visit plentyconsulting.com slash lantern. We'll see you there. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Plenty for Everyone as always, you've got Jeff Shuck and Jennifer Mulholland. We're the co-leaders of Plenty. And today we wanted to talk to you a little bit about a variety of things in the ether, starting with what today is. Today is 11-11, 2020, which is an auspicious day known as a portal where we go from one state of being to another, if we so choose. We're calling this the portal of transformation where new beginnings are possible. And, you know, many of you see and notice 1111 a lot on your phone or on your clock or on your computer or 222 or 444 or 1212. And it's this synchronicity of sacred geometry and numbers. And so there's no accident that today is a powerful day as it relates to the number one and the number 11. So number one really represents a new beginning and the opportunity to create from a blank canvas, the opportunity to choose anew, which is so exciting because we've had a really heavy year and it's exciting to step into what do we want this next chapter to be for ourselves and for our community and for our country. And, you know, on a physical form, if you add, you double the one, it becomes literally a gateway, a portal, a doorway through. And it's inviting us to walk through a threshold and to do that intentionally. And so as we harness today, there's a alignment of the planets. There's alignment of numerology, sacred geometry on this day that really is beckoning us to walk through a door, walk through a threshold where we're willing and courageous to leave the things that are no longer 
serving us, the things that are no longer sustainable, the outdated mindsets, the harmful self-talk behind and step through that doorway to create something that really harnesses our truth, our power, and our ability to create the life and the society we want. Yeah, what resonates with me and all of that is kind of where we sit, you know, with the world around us today. So it's about a week after the election in the United States. And at least this week, we're we're clear on the outcome, or at least some of us are. And that evidence of the transformation is all around. I think I resonate with it. And I also struggle with it at sometimes the idea that this whole year has been a bridge into something new feels that feels really certain to me. And, you know, honestly, at times it's felt really scary to me. So I'd be curious, Jen, with what you just talked about regarding your beliefs around 1111. Like, is that what you see going on? Like, what do you see with what's happened in the run up to the election and now the aftermath of trying to move forward and some people in trying to not move forward and no one can agree on what even happened and how do you cast all of that in light of what's happening around us? Yeah, it's so interesting. I think one thing that I'm fascinated with related to the question is, you know, how long this change or shift in paradigm has been predicted for eons and years. I honestly remember 10 years ago holding ceremony around 1111 and actually an 111111 did ceremony. You know, it was a long time ago where the conversation was still the same, pointing to a shift of consciousness. And what I see right now is we are living in the symbol of polarity. So opposites, extremes, separation, have and have nots, dark and light, red or blue. And we've talked about this, Jeff, for a long time, right? Like this polarization that is giving way, I'm hopeful and I believe it is giving way to more of a unity consciousness, a singularity where we're all interconnected, that there is no extremes. We have to come into the balance and whatever that looks like for us, we're the agents to create that reality. And I think what I'm pondering is like claiming our ability to create that future where there's interconnectedness, where there's justice, where there's balance. And instead of waiting for a leader above us to tell us how to do that, or a leader above us to perpetuate the extremes. And I think we're seeing that now. And I'm curious with you as we have incredibly conscious conversations with our clients and with each other to say, how can we be the instruments of that shift? And there are no instructions for this time. So how do we be the bridge builders across the divide? And what is, how does that show up in our relationships, in our speech, in our way we listen, in being able to hold different experiences and different emotions at the same time? And, you know, I'm curious about that and really believe that we're the instruments, we're the agents to walk through 
this portal, this shift. And we're seeing that kind of escalate in a lot of chaos and polarity right now. And I do believe that it's giving away for something that hopefully will be more unifying on the other side. How, how do you see it in, I guess, in reaction to what I was just sharing? I think we've talked a lot about this and how we're meandering and how we're seeing ourselves and others as being the bridge builders. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, I think, you know, I'm kind of doing that thing about like needing to take the advice I was spousing to other people a couple weeks ago. (laughs) You know, I think a few weeks ago we were saying, be careful about thinking things are going to be different after the election, just because we never want to put our power into or our happiness into something else. And I feel like I saw a lot of people saying, once the election happens, like things will get easier. And I, I think I'm realizing I did some of that myself. So, you know, I was hoping for a really definitive conclusion from the election and we didn't get it. And so I think, Jen, you know, to step back from the content about 11.11, like I can buy that we're in the portal. I think we're not through it yet. And I think what the election illustrated to me is how much work needs to be done and that a lot of people aren't ready to bridge the gap and don't want to bridge the gap and actually still want to adjudicate the election, which already happened. So even that's not done. So I do, I think like that brings me back to just being comfortable right now, being self-reliant and being faithful, maybe more than hopeful, you know, having faith that the right things are happening, even if I don't understand them, and that I'm equipped to deal with them, even if I feel like I'm not. And I think that feels like the way forward for me. I also am really, we've both been reading and watching and listening to a variety of people from all different sides of the political spectrum comment on things. And I'm really interested in people on the Democratic side who are saying, you know, the incoming Biden administration has said, hey, we're going to build bridges and we're going to work with everybody. And there's a certain faction of the of the Democratic wing that's saying, wait a second, why do we need to do that? You know, when Trump was elected, that group said, hey, we have a mandate to do what we want. And so why is it on the Democrats to build bridges? Why aren't they just talking about now we have a mandate and we're going to do what we want? And so I think I'm personally struggling with, you know, the intent to want to bridge gaps and find commonality. And then from a practical standpoint, not seeing it reciprocated and not sure that it works. And so sometimes I just kind of get stuck there. And I don't know what that says about me, but coming back to just trying to be here now and not, and frankly, not getting caught up in the news cycle. I think that's what I really felt once Biden, you know, was declared the winner. I felt like that I needed to turn off the news for a bit because it just, sometimes it just swirls me up, you know? Yeah, I think the having awareness of what's working for you and what's not, I think I would, I w- we're both keying into that self 
practice, right? When for some people, the news is working or they want to plug into it and that's great. And for I'm, I am really interested in the news and interested in what's happening. And I really notice that what happens to me energetically, I get stirred and I get kind of fired up, right? And I think what I'm curious about is being aware, much more aware of the dialogue and trying to stay above the drama. So seeing what is, and Trump's a great example, like he's shown us what the type of leader he has always been. Like there's no surprise here, right? And I'm having conversations with some of my close friends of other relationships that they're in of like, see what people are showing you the first time. Drop the story, drop the assumption, drop, you know, your narrative around why they're doing what they're doing or how it might be interpreted X, Y, Z. I think we create our own blocks when we're not being able to neutrally see what it is. And the best analogy I can use is like the bald eagle, right? That flies so high above, but has this incredible ability to see the details, but is way above and sees the larger story and is not attached to it. And I think that's what I'm trying to experiment with is keeping my vibration high and noticing when it dips. And typically for me, it's dipping when I turn on the news. So I'm not turning on the news. I find it elsewhere. It comes to me anyway. I learn about these nuggets through a conversation or you on, you know, we're talking on the computer on a Zoom call and you're saying, hey, this is coming in. Like it just finds you. And trying to practice going back to the power of 1111 and the power of being a united light is to keep the vibration high. And so that's nature. That's a hot bath for me. That is reading time. That's journaling time. It's quiet time. Like what will restore so that I can keep the optimistic view without it being fluffy or like made up, but that I'm really able to sharpen my vision and see what it is without getting drawn into the polarity that's being perpetuated. That's not the paradigm I want to be in at all. And so I feel really called to say, how can I practice keeping my light and vibration high enough above the noise, above the drama, above the fear, above the shame, the have, the have-nots, the us versus them, that feels like it's in the dialogue of the collective. But I do, I'm so hopeful that I think there's, there are those of us who are willing to pull up and out to say, we have to hold a container, an intention a vibration to not get pulled in and sucked into this, these extremes of blame and shame. It just, we know that's not going to be helpful or healing through. Yeah. I think one thing in that that's worth highlighting, whether it's relationships or how you look at the world is not assuming that other people want the same thing you do. And I think that's been a lot of the cold water I've heard from people who voted blue about saying like there was a real sense of loss among even many of people who've been on the podcast this year that they were hoping for some kind of 75 or 80% victory for Biden over Trump and they, and they didn't get it. And that 
invites a lot of things. It invites us to understand, you know, whatever side you're on, why do 50% of the people, almost 50% of the people choose something different? And that trying to be in that place instead of blaming, shaming, name-calling, throwing up your hands, being in stress, that feels like the ongoing practice, you know, and we have the equipment for it. So Jen and I have been talking about, just as a quick aside, a book I'm reading that was recommended to me called The Chimp Paradox. It's by a guy named Steve Peters. And basically, he just talks about how your brain works. And he uses a very simple metaphor that your limbic system, which is your kind of ancestral brain, he calls the chimp, and your frontal lobe, which is the more advanced part, he calls the human. And the chimp brain works faster and thinks in terms of protecting itself and safety and wanting a tribe and black and white. And when we find ourselves revved up and really flamed up, someone cuts up in front of us in traffic, someone posts something on Facebook that we disagree with, like that instant reaction that's super emotional is the ancestral brain. And one thing he really talks about is how humans have evolved one of the characteristics of humanity is the ability to see things from multiple sides, is the ability to hold multiple views and say, I disagree with you, but I still value your opinion. You know, that's a more sophisticated place to be. And it's what evolution has brought us. And I'm reading it for different reasons right now, but it's been so helpful to help me understand my own re reactions to the news and to other people and to politics. And it's been helpful to understand why people are reacting the way they are. And I think so many ways that we get information right now have been architected to give us, you know, the dopamine fix, to give us instant gratification or instant stimulus. And it actually inflames a part of our brain that works against cooperation it makes us think everybody's out to get us. So I think that continues to be my prayer is that people slow down and really start to say, you know, there's a part of me that can say, okay, I, I totally see the validity in, in recounting the election. It's provided for by law. It's going to help everybody slow down and clarify what's correct. Like, you know, it might delay what I want for a couple of weeks, but honestly, it seems reasonable. And that's a way different reaction than reading the news and instantly erupting and saying, I can't believe these people are going to do that. But I guess where I'm going with this, Jen, is a lot in our world, like you have to be really intentional of slowing down to that level, really intentional about where you get news and intentional about not closing yourself off because we're not talking about being ignorant either. But like, slowing down to say, I really want to see all sides. And I guess what sometimes discourages me is I don't think most people are ready to be that intentional yet. And I, and I pray that that's coming. And I pray today is, a, is one more day that takes us in that direction. Yeah. I mean, we have such a giant invitation to consciously evolve. And it's part of why we are so wired to help conscious leaders make a difference in the world. Like literally that is helping people become more aware of themselves, what works, what doesn't, what are the signs and all around that 
participate in the multidimensional reality that we all live in. Like we participate in a multiverse. We're not singular human beings. We don't have one sense. Like they're discovering we are are multi-sensory. And so we're interacting all the time with information and content and form and formless that helps us evolve. And I love the, the example of the chimp book that we've been discussing because as we are evolving the mammalian human brain, we are learning to develop a different skill of sight and of sensing. And so when literally in the past, you can see in our species, we've evolved from a highly active parietal lobe, you know, manifestation. So this idea that we are separate, you are different than me. We have different, you're male, I'm female. We have, you know, we live in different places. We come from different backgrounds. We may share the same thing, but we're not the same. Like that idea that we're separate comes from a very active parietal lobes. And what's happening in our mammalian brain evolution is that is kind of quieting for some of us and it's shifting into a more active frontal lobe, which is an experience of oneness. It's an experience of connection. It's an experience that there is no separation of this multidimensional way to receive and to transmit truth, to transmit sight and sensing, whatever that means to you. And so it is so exciting because this is something I personally studied 10 years ago in getting trained with Diksha, which is a healing modality to help quiet the monkey mind, which is active parietal lobes in our brains. And when that happens, when we can quiet that through choice, because I love that term that you just used, like we're empowered to choose if we're going to perpetuate the extremes or this sense of separation. We also have a similar choice to look for understanding, to look for commonality, common ground, to look for where we share similar values. And that's a new skill, It's a new human evolutionary trait that is becoming more relevant. And I think we're just on this uncomfortable cusp. We're not there yet, but we're kind of emerging from this cocoon and we're seeing it become quite volatile in the United States of our election and what's being played out over the next six weeks you know, in terms of decisions and what's going to happen in the transition of power of our presidency. Yeah. I mean, a couple thoughts to that. One, just for people who are interested in going more into the content, I'll just say again, the book's called The Chimp Paradox by Professor Steve Peters. Jen brought up the parietal lobe. So he actually talks about three things. He talks about the human, the chimp, which is the monkey mind, the limbic system, and the parietal lobe he calls the computer. And what's interesting is it gets programmed by the monkey, but you can override it. And so when we talk about manifestation and I am statements and and affirmations and you know visualization, there's ways you can use your frontal lobe, your human brain to reprogram the parietal lobe so it 
automatically functions the way that you want. So I'll leave it there and say Professor Stephen Peters is going to do a better job at this. But it's a really interesting, super accessible, and helpful book. The other point that you brought up that I think is, is I don't mean to sound pessimistic because I'm not, but I think there's a seeing what is, Jen, and what you said that we kind of, or I see in the attitudes around me, this idea that things always get better. And and I actually believe that. And I think it's a really healthy attitude. I also think what's been so disruptive about 2020 for many of us is like, it's been a reminder that things sometimes get really bad before they get better. And history has hundreds and hundreds of examples of governments that fell down and countries that went from from tolerance to intolerance and went from freedom to more restriction. And and that I think is like, there's a preciousness that I'm feeling that, you know, it's not necessarily going to get easier. And there's scenarios where I think it gets really sticky and we start saying, wow, I never thought that could happen because we've all been saying that for the last two or three or four years, some of us. So you know, again, I come back to this idea of faith, like how do we be faithful that better things will happen and that whatever happens now, we're prepared for them. That's different than needing things to be better, quote unquote, I'm doing air quotes. If you're watching me on video, I just did air quotes that we're okay, no matter what happens is, is a, is a great, I'm stealing that from Michael Neal, who's another great author we sometimes talk about. That's different than the needing things to be better for me to be well. And so that's maybe not the most optimistic thought that there could be a lot more disruption in the months ahead and trusting that that all leads us to something that is better than what we have. That doesn't make it less painful or less easy to go through. Yeah. And, you know, I feel in sense that I do think Things need to sometimes fall apart before they can come back into a higher order. And I think we're in that place right now where we're likely to see more disruption, dismantling, disillusion, chaos. And when you're in it, you don't see the higher order that becomes of it in real time. You always do or often do in hindsight. So we talk a lot about Atlanta and we talk about our yellow brick road. Well, it always seems to make more sense when you look back, when you can see the twists and turns, the obstacles, the challenges, the chaos that actually had an order to it. It it led you to who you are right in this moment. And without that, you wouldn't be who you are. The lessons, the opportunities, the failures, the relationships, all that modeled you to be right here. And I think that is always on offer. That's happening in our future steps too. What I'm really curious about, and I don't necessarily have the language, I'm totally in process here because I have always been an optimist. I came out of the womb thinking about a better future, wanting to participate in making this world a better place and have really relied on this idea that things happen for a reason and that things are meant to be the way that they're meant to be. And I do believe that. 
it's now being coupled with, oh, but I am powerful to claim the future I get to co-create. That it's not sedentary. It's not passive. It's not going to happen to me. That I'm actually an equal participant in forming what it is I want to create. So if I want to create a more peaceful community or peaceful society, I have a microcosmic part in that. And that ripples out in every conversation, every time I listen to somebody or hold space, every creation. And I think, I do believe that we all have that equal power in the crumbling, in the dismantling, in the mess to see what is and to choose our role in it. Are we going to perpetuate and focus on the chaos and disruption? And the more we focus on it, the more we'll amplify it because what we focus on forms. Or am I going to see what is with wakefulness and say, oh, I get to choose how I am going to create a new reality. And what is my power to do so? Like, where can I have that influence? I can have it with my children. I can have it in my partnership with you. I can have it with my partnership with Christian and my family and loved ones and friends. Like, I can control that. And I do think that we're being called and asked to participate in a much more deliberate, powerful, intentional aware way of how we want the future to unfold because we can tolerate the shenanigans and the bullshit that's happening and talk about it and stir it and amplify it. And we also have a different choice to say, no, this is not acceptable, right? Or the law is the law or what is being done is just not right. It's not, doesn't, it's not about justice. So I don't know. I'm really in process about the dance of, you know, the acceptance of things have to fall apart sometimes in order for them to come into a higher order for our evolution. And that is reciprocal cycles that have been happening for eons, whether it's extinction or whether it's war or whether it's, you know, stock market crashes and rebounds, like we're in a cyclical pattern and so how, how can we make the next cycle a cycle that we're all proud to be a part of? Yeah, I think there's a lot there. And I think we're close to our next podcast. But, but I, like, I like everything. I mean, the, the thing that I'd maybe just highlight there is a theme. I feel like we've, we've explored this entire series, which is the more interdirected we are, right? The more that our compass is internal, the quicker we find happiness and the more we're able to architect the world we want to see and the more it relies on things around us and the more that we're getting our direction from someone else, the easier it is to feel unsettled. I also think you've said something else that I didn't really key on maybe has been gnawing at me a little bit. We're worth so much more than the dream of let's go back to the way things were before Trump was president. And I think for a lot of people, that sounds like progress. To me, that just sounds like going backwards. <laughs> you know, there's, and maybe that, that's what I'm still missing from the election is 
what what is the next 10 years? And I'd, I'd love to be a part of that. And I think by asking the question, I'm a part of it. But you know, that bolder vision, it's not just about someone coming out of office. It's not just about recounting balance. It's not just about getting a 60-40 vote. It's about how do we want to act in the world? How do we want to tolerate or accept poverty? What do we want to do in relationship to the environment? How can we put innovation to creating boundless energy that doesn't pollute the planet? Like, how do we make sure that everybody gets educated in an easy, free way? There's like, how do we harness the huge, powerful, altruistic vehicle of business? Like, thinking in those bigger ways, I think, is where where I end up gravitating. And that's what gets lost when it's all just red versus blue, is nobody's talking about anything bigger than this week. And I, that's what you just activated for me, Jen, that, that reminder that to think beyond, you know, like it's always the duality, to be present now and to hold possibility far beyond what we can actually see. Yeah, and I would just emphasize the term possibility. It's, it's for those of you who have not gone through one of our experiences, we use possibility in our strategy work and our leadership work to really hearken to what is the highest outcome on offer? What does a better world look like? What's the end state? We use it differently than vision because vision tends to be very limited to what we can see. Possibility is infinite in its potential. It's expansive. And it leans us in a direction towards a higher outcome, a higher end state. And often when we don't have that articulated, when we don't communicate what that possibility is, we lose our way. The compass has no stability because it doesn't know where it's going. And I love that point, Jeff, of like, it feels like it's missing of what does a better United States look and feel like in the next decade? Like, what have we healed what have we accomplished? How do we work together to help elevate a thriving society based on freedom, the pursuit of health and happiness, the ability to treat each other as one human race, one humankind? Like, what is it that we want to bring into form? And I agree, like, I don't hear much articulation of that beyond this is what the policies we're going to stand behind to enact in the next four years. But as we know, the way that the Senate is structured and the presidency and that just the blocks that are put in place, not sure much can be done on the policy standpoint. Maybe it could be with better collaboration, hopeful about that for sure. But so what? Where does that get us with another election four years later that could dismantle everything that got put into place, right? So I love the idea of really thinking for ourselves what is the highest possibility we want to create for our being, for our purpose here now, for our families, for our community, for our businesses because it's not fluffy. Like without it, there is no direction. There's no outcome. And I'm hopeful we can inspire collectively, all of us, to bring that more into the dialogue. What is the intention of why we're doing what we're doing and how we're showing up with possibility? 
Yep. More to come. If you can hear my stomach as a listener, it's because it's lunchtime here. So that's the sign that we need to wrap it up. I would say a couple things. If you're more interested in 1111 and what that means, you're probably listening to this sometime after November 11th. I know you are. But on our blog, there is a great blog post and a kind of inspirational reading and meditation from Jen about the, the meaning of 1111 in numerology and some great inspiration to get you thinking about what you want to manifest. So go check that out. It's worth looking to, and maybe we can put the link to that in this podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Um, We read every comment we get. We'd love for you to rate the podcast because it matters. And most of all, share it with people that you care about. It's been really fun. This is episode 22, 22. I think. So 1111 equals 11 plus 11 equals 22. There's no accidents, people. So thanks for being part of this journey with us. And uh, we'll see you again in a few days. Jen, any closing thoughts? Yeah, grateful for you. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen. Let's create a world of plenty for everyone. And we'll see you soon. All right, gang. Talk to you soon. Thanks for tuning in. Join the conversation and learn more at www.plentyconsulting.com.